Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. All right, week six is in the books. The season is starting in the trend in the direction of second half adjustments. The Red River rivalry was played out as advertised. Uh, Sam Hartman starting his own horror movie called The Haunting in Louisville. Colorado bounced back in a game where, quote, they played like hot garbage. And the top 25 teams are getting hit by unranked snipers throughout the weekend. College football is wild. Welcome back, Trash Talkers, to the College Football Roundtable, or if you prefer Ring Knocker Radio, but we like to call it two O's and an NCO. I'm your host, Rob, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We've got Dano, Ikebesa in Coastal Connecticut, and Trigger Joe is coming out of the home of the big house. Gentlemen, I ended up watching the Army game this weekend, watched OU take out Texas, watched Bama hold on, but not look too terribly impressive i watched the evening slate of games and of course i checked in on the buffs watched georgia wake up and play like they're actually the defending national championships what about our champions how about you guys what did you guys end up watching joe um i watched shootouts and yes i still call it the shootout of all time it was like world say hello gabriel uh who proved he was the best quarterback on the field. He had over 400 all-purpose yards, two touchdowns, and did it with a lot of heart because he had some big plays and big moments. Um, also, 12 o'clock, I caught a war between LSU and Mizzou. And if you don't like a whole lot of defense, what well, is a great football game, and Jaden Daniels just proved to be way too much in the end, and they pull it off and win by 10. Georgia massacred what was undoubtedly a poser in Kentucky, 247-6. to six, They just scored again. Uh, Michigan dominated Minnesota like I thought they would. Notre Dame hype finally stopped. Thank you, Louisville. Uh, and uh, I, I would like one eye open at maybe one o'clock in the morning Eastern time. I realized that I don't think USC is the best team in the Pac-12. And I, I'm going to stand by that. I said it. Um, it took them three overtimes to beat a team they were favored by 21 points over. Again, a three-touchdown dog scores 40 points on them they don't play defense and the Buckeyes look a little suspect so that was my Saturday Daniel how about you so yeah we talked about this on the other show I was at the Army game I got freaking drenched listened to Navy uh beat North Texas slowly but inexorably on the drive home and I watched Georgia just beat the crap out of Kentucky um yeah man Georgia whenever they remember that they got Brock Bowers on that team they are unstoppable holy smokes they look that looks like georgia that's what georgia's supposed to look like yeah i i don't know what it is but like looks like georgia have been sleeping all season yeah. sleepwalking through the season and then like it clicked and they were firing on all cylinders and and maybe you know hate to use the cliche of playing down to your competition but you know you have an undefeated team coming into your home home turf it kind of changed the pace of the game so it, it'll be interesting to see but speaking of interesting to see we have a sponsor here at college football roundtable and it is buyerbarn.com 
Firebarn.com was founded by a class of 97 graduate by the name of Dan Robinson. He ran a traditional farm co-op and auction and realized there has to be a better way to modernize it and bring farm sales into the 21st century. Dan and his co-founder, Dean, have taken their experience in IT management and development and created the world's first farm-to-farm online auction and sales platform. Firebarn.com provides reduced health issues through reducing overall animal and owner contact, Reduced animal fraud through a buyer and seller rating system, fully integrated auction platform with secure payments, convenience to buy and sell at your own time, better market pricing because of a much wider audience. Buyer Barn is dedicated to helping the small farmers in America and is providing a special discount to military veterans who want to assist them in the small family farm revolution. Go to buyerbarn.com or email them at info at buyerbarn.com. Or lastly, you can always go to the Ask for Football website. There's a click button on the side. You can hit that and it'll take you right to the Buyer Barn website. Without further ado, we're going to pass it over to Dano to cover the service academies. Thanks, Dan. So as we know, Army lost a heartbreaker to Boston College 27-24. We went deep on that one on the other show, so check that out. Um, Navy capitalized on a late turnover to win a close one at home against North Texas. Quarterback Blake Horvath got hurt. Ironically, that probably helps the mids, not because Horvath is terrible, but just because they've been bouncing back and forth between him and Ty Lavatai, and now they're going to have to go with Lavatai from here on out. Uh, at least for the foreseeable future. Lavatai went four of eight passing for 75 yards and a touchdown, which in the triple option is good enough. Alex uh, Tekka was the leading rusher with 137 yards and two touchdowns. Navy defense did what they do, pretty much gave up passes left and right, but they came up with a huge stop and forced a fumble in the fourth quarter. Worth noting that if Navy's offense was ever going to look good, this was the time. North Texas had has legit the worst rushing defense in all of college football. So if the mids had struggled against this defense, then that meant that they were going to struggle against literally everybody. And Air Force had a bye this week. Uh, they're preparing for a home clash against Wyoming, favored by something like 10 points, which I think is a little nuts. Um, yeah. But this is one of the most interesting games on Air Force's schedule. Wyoming is 5-1. and one. Like They're not a bad team. They're certainly better than anybody else the Zoomies have played, so we'll see how that one goes. I know a lot of Army fans are getting nervous about that Air Force game. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, FCS Service Academy's Coast Guard lost to the Killers at Salve Regina 38-7. Uh, Salve Regina has now taken down both of the, service, the FCS Service Academies. Um, Coast Guard has the next two weeks off uh, getting ready to take on Norwich at home, and the Merchant Marine Academy beat the beat Norwich 28-21. They take on the engineers from MIT this coming Saturday. Sorry, forgot about that. No worries. Hey, Joe, top 10, what do you got? Uh, you know, UGA and Michigan both rolled, so no change to the top two. OSU jumps up one after beating Maryland 37-17. FSU jumps up the spot uh, from five after beating up on Virginia Tech 39-17. They both have Texas's loss to thank for moving up the spot. And then Oklahoma was the big mover going from 12 to 5, jumping up seven spots after what was a magical win for them at Tech in the uh, against Texas. I couldn't remember if that was a neutral field or not, but I think it, it was, was on the Cotton Bowl Texas. Yeah, it was at the Cotton Bowl. It was the neutral. Yeah. Okay. Then 6, 7, and 8 are uh, Penn State, uh, Washington, and Oregon. All were idle and did not play. Texas dropped six spots, spots after the loss, and USC is still part of this list at number 10 after barely beating Arizona. And I think Louisville might be feeling a little disrespected for being so low after how they've started their season. Absolutely. Oklahoma, man, they have a real defense for the first time in a while. Uh, I mean, they've given up something, some crazy amount, like 60, 70 points on the entire season so yeah. far. I mean, that defense is real good. Yeah, and, and, and in the 
and in the Big 12, you know, where yeah. defense is not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And their quarterback made a fan of me. I couldn't, I, I got to be honest with you. I had Texas. If, if you would have asked me to pick that game, I would have said take Texas money line. I don't like the points. Um, just because I was expecting a ton of points being scored. And it turned into more of a defensive battle where they had a group of late points scored by both teams. So, um, yeah, that was a real slobber knocker. And Dylan Gabriel, he had a screamed out. They weren't design plays. And uh, one of them he scored on the ground. And that honestly kept Oklahoma in it because Texas was getting ready to put him away. Yeah, so, I agree. Huge fan of that kid. Yeah, so top twenty-five losses this this uh, week. I, I think we're we're gearing up to have a, a another year of like fifty-plus exchanges in top in the top twenty-five because it's it's already uh, twenty-six losses and we are at week six. So as mentioned, Oklahoma moves to moves from number five after getting bumped off by uh, or bumping off Texas, and, and Texas drops to number nine. They probably should be out of the top ten. I think that's a little bit of uh, I don't know. Maybe they're giving them credit for playing a tough team in OU. I have no idea. Uh, Mizzou is out of the top 25 after losing to LSU. Jaden Daniels took over the game in the second half, and and he was all over it. But uh, just don't know if LSU is going to be able to keep that up week in and week out. They've been very inconsistent this season, and so I think that's part of the reason why they are having their druthers. Uh, UCLA picked off Washington State. They bumped the Cougs to number 19, which is interesting. An unranked UCLA team coming up. I know uh, Jim Zapellis would be happy about that because he's a big UCLA fan. And number one, Georgia destroyed number 20, Kentucky, 51-13. to And uh, Kentucky is barely hanging on to that top 25. Uh, they moved to number four. Number 25, Louisville beat number 10, Notre Dame, 33-20, to dropping the Irish to uh, from 10 to number 21 which is huge that's a big move for them sam hartman never wants to play in louisville again like he has eight turnovers in two games against the cards three interceptions and three fumbles last year at wake forest and they had two picks in the game in the 2023 season and those are the first two picks that he had uh all season long so he made it five games without throwing throwing an interception and now louisville moves up at uh, to 14 after getting a big win but uh, is this uh, shades of things that come for Notre Dame? Don't know. Uh, I think Notre Dame has had some tough contests early this season. Uh, that whole thing against Ohio State, I think that was a defensive mistake. They didn't get their substitutions in time. They had 10 players on the field. And then, uh, you know, Louisville just, you know, 13 points. That's a pretty decent beating. And then Georgia Tech beat number 17, Miami, bumping the Canes to uh, number 25. And I will not go any further than that. But then – Fresno State losing to Wyoming in the waning moments. And again, we talked about it last week. It was like, hey, are kickers missing? Are kickers blocking? Are getting blocked more often this season? And it felt like this weekend that there was a lot of missed kicks and a lot of blocked kicks. And so I don't know if it was just a self-fulfilling prophecy because we talked about it, but it seemed like there were a lot more uh, blocks and missed kicks this weekend. But speaking of missing, it is now time to move on to Joe's Blue Falcon of the week. So I'll pass it over to Joe to kind of outline who he uh, is putting in the the circle of infamy this week. Yeah. Uh, no mystery here. You don't need a crystal ball to figure out who I'm talking about. You see what I did there? It's much... Sorry, it's a fun name to say. What are you thinking, sir? I gotta know what's it like. I can't read the season in 30 seconds. My beer. Be practice taking that knee because your QB needs to know how to do that when the game is. Her. 
you definitely need to know how to do when you get on the EDs carpet in Miami this week because you certainly have cost yourself a job and you definitely have a new fountain with a contract stipulation that a maybe you'll see some new right next to me. That was an absolute trigger. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Yeah, Mario Crystal Ball. Yeah, like, dude, like, I watched that sequence and, like, you, you got to feel bad for the team. Like, who thought that was a good idea? You know, we were talking about it before the show started. It's like, look, if I'm the quarterback, I'm looking at the coach and going, nah, man, I'm taking a knee, bro. Like, what What was... I, I don't know who was announcing the game, but it was, he was, like, ready to crawl out of the booth. Like, stop doing that. Stop. It's like, he was like, you know how liberal they are about passion referee or coach. And do we really, you know, it's because they don't work together. It's kind of a professional. But I mean, he just lost professionally. The clearing, he was just like, like two different plays in a row. And on the third play is when they fumbled. So, yeah, I, you know, I, uh, Dan, I was saying before the show that they say Mario Cristobal never takes a knee. How about now? Like, what about today? Still feel that way? Because if you still feel that way, I'm sorry for you because you learned nothing. Yeah. True, true. All right, so diving into the topic this week, guys. Speaking of uh, Heisman Trophy candidates, like, look, I got to be honest, you know, watching all the games that I've been watching, I think if Travis Hunter wasn't injured, he would be at the top of the list. I think there's no discussion that that guy is in a uh, – he's a top-shelf athlete in a, in a class by himself. Like, I don't know, they should make a new award just for that guy for, like, Iron Man Player of the Year or something. Because, <laughs> you know, until he got hurt, he was averaging 85 snaps a game on both sides of the ball and was having an impact on both sides. So I think, you know, he might be the, uh, the, the front runner next year if he comes back, you know, cause he is a quality player. I think he'll finish out the season. I just don't know when he's going to come back, at, you know, or how late it is, or if he's smart, does he take a medical red shirt, not play for the rest of this year and then come back next season. But, uh, definitely the guy that I'm watching right now for the Heisman is Michael Penix jr. Man. I think that guy is, the best quarterback in the Pac-12 for sure. Like, even though Caleb Williams is out there playing ball, like his team plays defense and he scores a lot of points. I'd I'd like I'd like to see him. If anybody wins it, that's my shingle. If I'm hanging on somebody, but I also you know I'm a big fan of the defensive players, so I would love to see a defensive player, you know, get into the hunt. But uh, don't have anybody with the exception of Travis Hunter, and he'd probably make it just as well as a wide receiver as he would as a defensive back. Dano, what are, what are your thoughts on uh, Heisman Trophy candidate this year? I mean, you know, I've been talking about this guy this show and last show. It's it's tight end Brock Bowers. Like, I think there's zero percent chance that a tight end can win the the Heisman Trophy. I just don't think that's possible. But he is the most important player on the best team in the country. Like with Bowers, George is the best team in the country. And when he's not in there, they might be a top 10 team and they might not be a top 10 team. Like when they're not using him effectively, their whole offense just falls apart. And when they let him do his thing, forget it. Ain't nobody stopping that team. I understand that it's not just one man show, but he is the difference maker on the best team in the country. So that's my thought. That's fair. It's like watching uh, Kansas City without Kelsey. It's exactly like that. It's that one hundred percent ordinance to their offense. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Um, I, look after his stat line is incredible. Other than the game against SMU, he's thrown for over three hundred yards. He threw it for four hundred uh, a week ago. He had no turnovers on Saturday. In the biggest game of the season, he throws for two eighty five, runs for one thirteen, had two touchdowns, no turnovers. If Oklahoma makes the playoffs, it's because of what he did on Saturday. 
And uh, it was a Heisman-worthy performance. And I believe Michael Pinnock should be right there with him, um, barring injury or, you know, seeing if they can beat Oregon on Saturday. I- I'm definitely saying those are my top two. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got Bo Nix who's been at Oregon, you know, for the foreseeable past and future. That guy's been Good there. Good job. Good yeah. job. I- I- I'm over it. I'm over yeah. it. That guy needs to move on, uh, you know, it, and I think it's 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 a catch-22 because, like, uh, like the boo birds will come out if you're like, hey, man, I think this guy should take a medical red shirt and hang out another year, you know. But if he's a quality athlete and his chances of playing in the pros are low, I'm okay with that. But, like, Bo Nix is a professional-level quarterback. He could be, you know, holding a clipboard or starting somewhere in college football given the way that the, the quarterback classes have looked the last few years. Guys can literally graduate into the pros – opt in for the draft and be playing you know cj stroud is playing right now for the texans like who would have thought that that kid as small and as young as he was would come out and and be a starter in the nfl like he did you know and that's him you've got freaking joe burrow came out and made an impact like if you play well in college and you are an exceptional college quarterback then you'll probably be better than average when you get to the nfl but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see like i like, I know a lot of people are still high on Caleb Williams, but, like, he's got to be the best player in college football, and maybe he scores a lot of points. But I think it's got to be complementary football because the teams that make it deep into the playoffs could play defense, you know. And I don't see that from USC. Uh, I, and I would not be surprised. I mean, they haven't talked about it openly, but I think the, the UFC, the USC defensive coordinator is on, a, on the bubble right now. I mean, you have to be. Like, if you let – you know, a team like Arizona take you to overtime. There's something wrong with that. Like, yeah, shit, yeah. yeah. I'd like to talk. I I realize this isn't the show to do it, but I'd like to talk about like the finances around USC and and just like nobody's in that stadium. I understand TV is probably how they make most of their money, but it's nuts to have you know these high leverage games and empty stadiums in Los Angeles. Like that's insane. Hey, less well, kids out there than we got at Mikey Stadium in a in the rain. Yeah, well, and that's and that's one of the things that uh, like I was looking at a guy. I forget what it was. There's a guy that does stadium reviews, and he was talking about the stadiums in California, like USC and UCLA. You know, you're never going to adjust the Rose Bowl, so UCLA is never going to adjust the size of their stadium because that plays well in the postseason. You know what I mean? Like that place is always maxed out. But when you look at the LA Coliseum, like I think the only reason why they haven't changed the size of it is because they keep rebidding for the Olympics. You know, because who's who's watching usc games they, you know they come on too late at night and if i'm on the left coast i'm probably out partying before i'm going to a usc football game to be completely honest you know because there's a thousand other things that i can do other than watch caleb williams throw a ball around you know the difference between like the midwest when you look at like k-state and you know nebraska when they have home games those are the largest cities you know, Lincoln and, and Manhattan, Kansas become the largest cities in the state because they have a home football game. And like, there's a difference with the level of attendance and like, I don't know, maybe it's just a California thing, but, uh, it definitely is a California thing. I mean, the chargers, that's, they don't even have a home stadium effectively. They they don't have a home crowd at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why everybody, like, that's why the Raiders went to Vegas too, you know, because at least you're going to have that rotational crop of folks that are going to come and watch an NFL game. You know what I mean? There's more Steelers fans in that stadium last week, and they're gonna have more Packers fans in it tonight. Yeah, I, I, I think there's, I, I think there's something to be said about that. But uh, like I, and maybe that's part of the reason why you know so much of the adjustment. Like, hey, look, USC and UCLA going 
to the Big Ten knows that those fans will travel. So, like, if I have Ohio State at home, then I would fully expect to see Ohio State, the Ohio full, you know, crowd, at least on the visiting side, if not on the home side, because those fans will travel. And I think it makes sense. You know, you can go anywhere in the country and run into a Penn State fan or a Michigan fan or Ohio State fan. You know, Big Ten travels. You know, if, uh, you know, Army fans travel, that's part of the reason why nobody's, you know, not wanting to play against service academies because Army, Air Force, and Navy, they always have a fan base wherever they go. But when you look at it from a perspective of like, USC and UCLA, I don't know a lot of people on the East Coast that are like, oh, I'm a huge UCLA fan with the exception of Zop. You know, I think that's really the only one that I <laughs> You know, That's funny, man. But I mean, listen, they play football in, in high school in California. It's not like there aren't. It's, oh, yeah. it's not part of the culture. It's just, I don't know. It, it's crazy. Yeah, I can remember going to high school football games in California when I was out there as a kid and there'd be a ton of people in the stands. But for whatever reason, at the next level, it's just not translating. Yeah, maybe it's just because people don't like Lincoln Riley. I have no idea. But uh, it'll be speaking- interesting to see when they when they collapse these conferences because Michigan got USC two years in a row, starting in twenty twenty five, and then next year they've got Washington. I believe they got Washington, Oregon, and UCLA. But it, I couldn't be wrong. They could only have two of them. But yeah, got to trade Maryland and Indiana for Washington and Oregon. How spoiled is a fan do you get? Yeah, I mean, seriously, I, I think there's there's something to be said about the realignment, and, and you know we've talked about this already, but I legitimately think that like there's some people that are going to get hemmed up in those exchanges, and that's perfectly okay because like the tempo the tempo is going to be different. You know, yeah. you're not going to like if you score if you score as fast as USC does, you know, on a game to game basis against the team that can run the football, like you're probably going to lose. You know, by like twenty eight fourteen. Just about every time, <laughs> you know, I mean, you'll score twice real quick and then they're just going to grind it out on you. But speaking of grinding it out, the grind of doing your home mortgage is a pain in the butt and we have the right guy to do it. And I'll pass it over to Dan for the read. Thanks. Yeah, man. Uh, Craig Oxane is one of the sponsors of this show. He is the vice president of residential lending for Draper and Kramer in Chicago. He's a member of the West Point class of 1994, licensed to lend in all 50 states. He is one of the biggest VA lenders in the country. Friends, Craig is going to give you super competitive rates, give you the best deal that he possibly can. But really, the reason to go to him is because the mortgage process itself is super freaking confusing. You have to sign like two inches worth of paperwork. You feel like you're signing away your firstborn. It's a scary time, not going to lie to you. And that's not the time to go with somebody who just wants to make a buck off of you, like a big box bank, some random call center, kind of mortgage from China.com. Like, it's a scary time. And you want to deal with somebody that you feel like you can trust. And that's this honestly is how the West Point Network functions. Craig is helping us stay in business here at Azure Football, and we're trying to help you get the best deal on a mortgage that you possibly can by introducing you to the very man that you need to meet. Plus, Craig doesn't charge lending fees for veterans. It's a huge savings, like 1300 bucks. Like If that's not a lot of money to you, just send it to me because it'll be plenty of money for me. I'll be happy. So Craig Oxane, Vice President of Residential Lending, check him out. Links on our website. Just click the button. Um, you'll be fill out a little questionnaire. You'll be talking to him in a couple of hours, I'm telling you everybody that works with him. I mean, everybody cannot stop saying good things about Craig. He is he is a really great guy, very easy to work with, with a very confusing process. Thanks, Tano. So uh, let's move on to games of the week. Surprisingly, it tomorrow is the tenth of. Uh, October and holy smokes, we got football on a Tuesday. Like that's insane. We got three games on Tuesday. Got Louisiana Tech versus uh, Middle Tennessee that kicks at seven on CBS Sports Network. Got Liberty and Jacksonville State. 
Jacksonville State's actually pretty good. I think that'll be a good contest again to watch that one. Coastal Carolina and App State. You got a future Army opponent versus, you know, the Razorblade Runners of App State in Boone. So that should be a good game. I, I tell you what, like if you're not watching Wyoming and App State, like both of those teams have been razor's edge close. So if you want to watch a game that's going to last the whole game and get into the fourth quarter and, you know, probably whoever has the ball last will win it watch App State and watch Wyoming because that's the way that their season has been going this year. Uh, on Wednesday, October the 11th, man, that's a head scratcher. You got UTEP at FIU kicking at 730. And if you're up late, and I don't know why you would be, but you got Sam Houston and New Mexico State kicking at 9 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. You got West Virginia and Houston on Thursday and SMU and East Carolina. I mean, those might be decent games. I think West Virginia is kind of on the uptick right now. They're moving forward, trying to save their coach's uh, career <laughs> this season. They actually look okay. So that one might be a decent one to watch. And then we got Friday games on Friday the 13th. Go figure. Tulane at Mississippi. Uh, Fresno State at Utah State. That's a nightmare getting ready to happen for real because Fresno State is a little bit uh, a little bit better than Utah State. And it'll be surprising to see if Utah State can even keep that one close by halftime. Then you got Stanford and Colorado kicking at 10 o'clock on ESPN. Like that's a late game. And again, they got to do something better with the Pac-10 or Pac-12 because, you, you know, 10 o'clock kick on a Friday is not very helpful, particularly when you got a full slate of games on Saturday. Uh, Saturday matchups, we'll just hit the high points. You got Arkansas and Alabama kicking at noon on ESPN. You got Syracuse and Florida State kicking at 12 on ABC. I think that one's going to be a drubbing. I think we saw the last good Syracuse game when they played Army. And uh, their season's kind of slipping away. You've got Ohio State against the Spoiler Breakers kicking at noon on Peacock. Michigan State at Rutgers. Like, that should be a beating by Rutgers significantly. Uh, Indiana at Michigan. That should be a beating. <laughs> Michigan should take those guys out. Uh, Georgia at Vanderbilt. I'm not even going to comment on that one. Navy at Charlotte. They're kicking at 2 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Like You know you're, you're not doing well when you get rele- relegated to the Ocho. California and Utah kicks at uh, 3 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. This is probably the matchup of the afternoon, the early or the early afternoon kicks. You got Oregon and Washington kicking on ABC. That should be a really good game. That's where all Pac-12 showcase games should be early afternoon or early evening kicks. You've got UMass at Penn State. Whew, that's going to be a slaughter. I'm sorry if you're a UMass fan. There are no UMass fans. <laughs> I think I think they all jumped off the ship a long time ago. Uh, you got Troy at Army. That's a home game. 3.30 kick, which is usually odd because Army usually kicks at uh, noon. Louisville at Pitt on the CW, for those of you guys that have an over-the-air antenna. Auburn at LSU. Uh, I think that's a trap game, to be honest, for LSU. Uh, I mean, I think the rest of LSU's schedule is a trap game, but that that's just my opinion. You got Arizona at Washington State. Like, that's another trap game because Arizona played USC pretty close. Washington State's coming off of a loss. That could be, you know, that could go either way. I uh, got Missouri and Kentucky on the SEC network at 730. Notre Dame and USC uh, kicking at 730 on Peacock. You've got Miami versus North Carolina. Dude, that, that could be ugly. And UCLA at Oregon State. And then, you know, the nightcap on the ACC network is going to be NC State and Duke. Anything that I missed that you guys are trying to watch before we move on? I know Dano is still interested in watching UConn. Don't know why. All right, they got their first win this week. I don't uh, beat Rice. That Rice team is better than you think. So UConn's having kind of a similar season to Army in the sense that they have a good team. Like when you watch them play, you can see the pieces that just don't quite come together. Um, 
I, I want to say Army's a better team than UConn, but I don't know, man. They got to put it together on the field. I would hope so. So, uh, what, what are your what else are you watching, Dano? Uh, Texas A&M at Tennessee. Tennessee has beat the hell out of a bunch of bad teams. I don't think Texas A&M qualifies as a bad team, but playing at home is usually a big deal for the Vols. Um, Wyoming at Air Force, we already talked about. And then NC State at Duke, man. Getting to the point where the Blue Devils have to sort of prove whether or not they're legit. Like, I think you get a mulligan with losing to Notre Dame, especially the way that they did. But if they lose to NC State, I think people are going to start jumping off that bandwagon on the national level pretty quick. Yeah, for sure. Joe, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to watch Michigan dismantle Indiana, and uh, I'm looking for the battle for who gets to keep the X between Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Seventh-year senior Bo Nix against uh, Michael Penix. That, that, that game's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see it. And then I think UCLA and Oregon State's going to be a pretty interesting game. Both teams ranked. Um, the Pac-12 is deep, um, said nobody ever until this year, but they actually really are. And uh, I'm not going to give away my locks, but you will not believe the lines on some of these games right now. I put a bet in for next weekend today when I saw it. Oh, wow. Sweet. So, uh, for me, I'll be watching Army and Troy, Navy and Charlotte if it gets close. Uh, I want to see that that game, too. I, I think Penix and Bo Nix is going to be the best game. I think uh, Michael Penix Jr. can solidify his uh, Heisman Trophy lead, or at least the, the speculation of him being the finalist if he can put away Bo Nix and Oregon. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if Oregon can actually beat a Pac-12 team that is going to be competition, you know, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But we'll pause there and move into our weekly locks. Weekly locks. All right, Dano, you're up. I went three and one this past week, and I thought I'd gone four and zero. Oh. I forgot about the hook. If BC hadn't missed a freaking extra point in the rain, I would have gone four and zero oh this week. It was off by a half point. It was robbery. I just have one pick this week: Coastal at App State minus five and a half. Line opened at uh, minus six and a half, and it moved towards Coastal, which I don't get at all. I don't think Coastal is that good, and I still think App State is App State. Um, but we shall see. Yeah, sounds good. Joe, how about you? Um, so I wasn't on the show. Michigan minus 19 and a half, Alabama minus one and a half, LSU minus five and a half, and Louisiana or Louisville plus six. Uh, so it was a great week going four and oh. And uh, this week I absolutely love and I've already bet USC plus two and a half at Notre Dame. Um, I believe they win that game by two scores. I like number 12, North Carolina at home to cover. Three and a half points against Miami. I think Drake May has a field day with them. Um, I also think Missouri's getting disrespected again. And somehow they think a team that lost by 38 to Georgia is going to beat Missouri. So I've got Missouri plus four at Kentucky. I think they win that game after watching them play LSU. And uh, last but not least, there's a team that gets disrespected by Vegas every year. I roll with them when they, when I see it last year, it was Syracuse. This year it's Louisville. And, uh, I got Louisville minus seven and a half against a win a Pittsburgh team who without a game against Wofford would be winless. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good one. I didn't see that one. That's, that's a good, good call. All right. So I'm I'm back on track this week as well. You know, three and uh USC over Arizona, Michigan covered nineteen easily uh, against Minnesota and Ohio State and Maryland went under fifty eight. I'm gonna ride the, the more North Western, but yeah, I, I'm gonna ride the USC over until like they start playing defense. So uh <laughs> I think they'll hit 72 against the lackluster uh, Arizona team. Notre Dame is is better 
than uh, Arizona significantly. So I know that they're going to score some points. 61 and a half, that's low-hanging fruit, particularly with those two offenses. I think that one's an easy one to, to take. Uh, not looking anywhere at Joe's notes, I'm going to take UNC to cover three and a half against Miami. I think that you shot themselves in the foot, but I don't think I don't think it's going to even be that close, man. Drake May is like unconscious right now, and he's uh, he's on a heater. I think he'll do pretty well. Uh, I'm for sure taking Auburn to cover 11 against LSU. I would not be surprised if they beat him. You know, LSU is LSU is not playing as advertised. Uh, you know, if you go back to that opening statement from the season from Brian Kelly, like, hey, we're going to put a whooping on Florida State. I mean, that set the tone for their whole season. It absolutely did. It absolutely did. He said himself, he, do, saying that and then getting blasted at home like that is just like, why don't yeah. you fire me, please? Yeah, you said yourself. You said yourself. that with no defense, Brian. Yeah, you you literally set yourself up for endless memes for the rest of the season, if not a new position at the end of the year. And and just by observation, uh, I'm not going to pick it, but I think freaking Penn State's going to score about a bajillion points against uh, UMass. I think that's low-hanging fruit, and that's like taking candy from a baby, so I'm not going to uh, pick that one as a lot because it's too close to Halloween, and I'm not taking anything out of the kid's basket. But uh, for sure, like if if you want some easy money, I, I think that that one's easy. There's probably some kind of crazy parlay that you can get just based off of you know number of goofy scores that are going to happen. Water boy gets in and you know kicks a field goal or something crazy like that. But uh, yeah, moving on to the bandwagon fantasy sports update. Man, Matt is on top with 72 points. I have a clear lock on second place now with 70. Dano has third place on lockdown with 66 points. And then I got an update from Alan. I uh, shot him a note earlier uh, last week. And he said, at the close of week six, they're going to adjust all the values of the team. So if you're playing bandwagon fantasy sports, you might want to take a look and see uh, yeah. the value of your team to help either increase or decrease the number of uh, exchanges that you have. Because I guess essentially what they've tried to do is set it up where it scales so you make more exchanges towards the latter half of the season which makes sense. And so uh, week six is the first round of adjustments until the end of the year. Yeah, they already and, made those. That that uh, Colorado, for example, started the season as a one-point team, and now they're a three-point team. So um, they, there's a few others that have happened. Yeah, that's good. And so uh, I do have a favorite thing this week, and we talked about it on the show, other show, but I'm going to hit this one up again just because uh, for those of you guys that don't know, there's a thing called uh, sprint football. It's an East Coast thing, right? Uh, it is – a faster pace game sometimes because all the athletes are relatively the same size. I think they have to weigh 172 pounds before kickoff of the football game. And they actually have weigh-ins and everything else like that. So you're looking at more relatively relative speed. Uh, it's essentially, as Dano said once before, it's kind of like what college football would look like if uh, the 1950s just continued to trend until today. But uh, sprint. Sprint football beat Navy in the fourth quarter with a great run by Arthur Laveless as a plebe, no less. You know, he's a man out there. He was a man out there among kids in the second half. Yeah, beast mode. He was running over everybody. Sealed the win 10 to 3. You know, he rushed for 124 yards in a TD, and the TD was the most important part, which was the, the tail end of the game. Sprint gets the gold star for the win, and that that's huge for those of you guys that follow Army Navy sports. If you're on the East Coast and you have never watched a sprint football game, you should go check it out and enjoy it. They usually play on Friday nights. Uh, games are probably easier to get into than uh, some of your major college-level football games. But uh, you're either going to get one of two things when you watch the game. You're going to see a lopsided – you're either going to see a, a blowout or a wide-open shootout. And so those games are always fun to watch. Uh, it's usually the Ivy Leagues plus Army, Navy, 
And uh, those are the teams that you'll usually see. But we are going to wrap the show up fast and furious this week. Uh, so this brings us to the end of the college football roundtable. We are going into week seven. We are at the halfway point of the season, just short of the midway point, thinking about who's going to be in the conference championships, who's going to make the playoff, and who's going to rise to the top. I think, like we said at the beginning of the show, it's all about the second half adjustments. And like as Joe is pointing to his chest at Michigan, Think of it from this perspective, though. Michigan has actually made some adjustments in the second half, and J.J. McCarthy is starting to look very much like the stud that got them to the playoffs last year. And if he can keep that up, I don't see why he wouldn't be in the Heisman conversation this year Mm. as well. He may not win it, but he will definitely be a finalist in New York. They've got murderers row coming in October or November. It's always the toughest time in the big time. Yeah, for sure, and especially in in the conference that Michigan is in. Like until they do some rebalancing with the new teams that are coming in, you know, if you're, you know, if you're in the conference that plays Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, like, how am I supposed to win? You know, that's that's a pretty rough stretch for any team in that uh, list. And like I said, I, I knew Tua was going to play, or Tonga Bailoa was going to play very very well against Ohio State this weekend, but it just wasn't going to be enough to get them over the top. But I think there's some great quarterbacks uh, this season. I honestly, you know, watched a lot of games. I just don't, you know, I think complimentary football is what makes a good quarterback great. Like if he's got a good defense, I think that's really what sets the tone, you know. And like unless you have your Heisman moment like freaking, uh, you know, yeah, unless you have your Heisman moment like freaking Vince Young or you know, Johnny Manziel. Well, yeah, there's guys that can do. That. I mean, he did have the that one run that everybody always watched the, for like three weeks after they beat Alabama. That was his Heisman moment. Yeah, well, and, and that's really what it is. Is like nobody has really has set themselves apart just yet with those moments. You know what I mean? Or those moments are, or those moments are clouded by you know, hey, look, Shador Sanders threw five touchdowns, but you know, in the first game, but that was six weeks ago. You know, now nobody cares because other things have happened since then. So I think legitimately in the pantheon of college football, we've got a lot of great athletes out there. I personally would like to see a running back, you know, maybe a defensive guy, you know, but the last defensive guy really that, you know, showed up enough was from Michigan. You know, you had Charles Woodson and, and you know, I like Charles Woodson. Uh, excuse me, but I'm a Raiders fan, so, so I know his background, you know what I mean? But at the end of, but at the, end of the day, it's college football, man. You know, everything's crazy. It's wild. We don't have a lot of ranked-on-ranked matchups this week, but the ones that we do have are pretty important. Michigan is going to roll. I think uh, the game of the week, though, to really watch will be Washington and Oregon. I think that's the two best quarterbacks in the best contest of the weekend. But I will pause there. And for the team here at the College Football Roundtable, I am Rob the Angry Colonel calling out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. We've got Dano Ikebesa calling out of Coastal Connecticut. And Trigger Joe is in the home of the big house in the great state of up north. And we will see you guys next week. And we appreciate you guys for joining us. And we'll check you guys on the flip side. Thanks. Go Army. For the love of God, please beat Troy. Beat Troy. Thanks for listening to the Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. Tune in next week as the AFF team brings you more hot takes and college football analysis. We'd like to thank our sponsor, BuyerBarn.com. BuyerBarn.com is the world's first platform to perform online auctions and sales for farm animals. 
Firebarn.com is dedicated to helping small farmers in America and are extending a special discount to military veterans who want to help in the revolution of the family farm. Go to Firebarn.com forward slash military. That's Firebarn.com. B-Y-R-E-B-A-R-N.com to learn more and to get started or email them at info at Firebarn.com. Thanks again for listening to Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. And as always, beat Navy.